Thank you, choir. Thank you, Al. That was, that was great. Show me your way, right? So that I can walk with you. That's what I'm going to talk about. That's perfect. That's, that's great. Uh, good morning. It's good to be with you. My name is Marty, and I do have the privilege of serving as your uh, Director of Missions for Yates Baptist Association. How many of you knew that you were part of Yates? I asked you that last time I was here. And what I was saying was, this is the first time I'm speaking, preaching. I have, well, I've spoken here, but I didn't have to begin to preach. You know, Mark's got to be gone for that to happen. So anyway, so just kidding. I want to thank Mark for the confidence to, to let me be here this morning. How many, how many of you knew you were part of Yates Baptist Association? How many of you know why we're called Yates Baptist Association? Not too many hands. Matthew Tyson Yates was the first North Carolinian to go as a missionary in 1847 to China. He has a, a great uh, biography. You should, you should read more about Matthew Tyson Yates. Go Google and, and find him. Actually, there was an article uh, published by the International Mission Board just about a month ago on Matthew Tyson Yates. He wrote letters back to many people that motivated a missionary movement to China. One young lady who read a letter from Matthew Tyson Yates, you know her as Lottie Moon. So Lottie Moon was moved to go to China because of Matthew Tyson Yates, and we bear that name, Yates Baptist Association. That is a missional heritage that we need to, to work together. Now, what our goal is, and we have a lot of different things we're going to try to do, and I'm going to share a little bit about that, but our main goal is to work together to advance God's kingdom. Does that make sense? How many of you are in favor of that? Okay, that's good, that's good. We want to work together to advance God's kingdom. I'm, going to, I'm just going to click the slide here, and we'll see if it, it, that, it's just magic, and that, that one little finger there. So we got four things that we're trying to do. I'm going to, this is my little Yates commercial, okay? So we are trying to, we're trying to be intentional to see our churches revitalized. That's a kind of a new word. You might think it, it is very similar to revival, but we're trying to bring life back to churches that are declining. Unfortunately, about 85% of our churches are either on the status quo of staying the same or they are declining. Only about 15%, and that may actually be a generous uh, 15%, only about 15% of our churches are actually growing. So we are trying to be intentional to help our churches to turn that trend around and, and to be impacting their communities. Does that make sense? We also have a goal of 25 by 25. That is a goal of planting 25 new churches by 2025. Now some of you may be saying, now wait a minute, I thought we were trying to strengthen our churches. We, we either need to strengthen our churches or plant new churches. No, we have to do both. We have to do both. And actually, sometimes both of those come together. We've actually had one uh, situation over the last year and a half where a new church plant and a church that was declining that was down to about 35 people came together and merged. The church plant was running about 140. The 35 in this group, they've come together. They're looking now at going to two services. They're, they're already having about 240 people every Sunday. So sometimes those two things come together. We actually have several churches right now who are, I say they're courting each other. <laughs> They're, they're kind of they're discussing the possibility of, of having a, a merger like that. Also, we have a number of our churches that are declining, or at least maybe on the status quo. They're, they're staying the same, but they're asking a church plant to come in and meet. Come in and meet with us. Come in and share our facility. Let's work together to advance God's kingdom. A third thing we're trying to do is we're trying to intensify our missional efforts 
locally here in, in Durham, Chapel Hill area. Also nationally. I just got back this past week. I was in Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh is a city that you can go down almost any street and close to 90% of the people will not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Pittsburgh is a city that uh, we do not have a lot of strong Baptist effort there or any evangelical effort. And at the same time, Islamic faith is coming in. Other faiths from other parts of the world are coming in. We need to be at places like that. So the North American Mission Board is making an effort and we are looking and, and, and praying about the possibility of partnering with them there. I know your church, Ridgecrest, goes to Washington, and that's something that's fairly new. Very similar thing. Sin, it is a send, S-E-N-D, I have to say that because it sounds like sin, and that may be true as well. It is a send city where the North American Mission Board is focusing on. The fourth thing we're trying to do is to help our churches to make disciples that make, what do you think that, what, what should be next? Help our churches make disciples that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. The record's hung up, right? We want it to be hung up. We want, it, we want to be multiplying churches who are making disciples. That is, that's the job that Christ gave us, right? To make disciples. Okay. Let's click to the next one there. Um, I'm going to talk with you this morning about Jesus Calling. Jesus is calling. Jesus calls. In fact, if you look through the, the New Testament, there are many times where Jesus called. He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He, he called disciples. He called others. He calls us today. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But I, I do appreciate the, the opportunity to be here with you today. Um, let's go to the next slide. What is your piece of the puzzle? If Jesus is calling and he's calling us to, to be missional, to live missional lives here in Durham, in Durham County, in Orange County, and wherever you live, he's calling us to be missional here in North Carolina. He's calling us to be missional in places like Washington, places like Pittsburgh, like Boston. He's calling us to be missional in those places. He's calling us to go. I went with Shay back in February. Uh, some, uh, we had about 10 people from our association that went to southeastern Mexico. We're also examining a partnership there. Very excited. We have a church planner who's looking at planting 40 churches over the next 10 years. If we are going to be missional, what is your piece of the puzzle? Any of you like jigsaw puzzles? I remember when I was about 10 years old, my, my, my aunt, she had this huge table. And she would get these puzzles, 10,000 pieces. Now, here's the kicker. All the pieces were the same shape. Have you seen those? The same shape. And so we would get this, and we would work on it for weeks. And we'd get over here, and we'd get a piece. And, you know, okay, this is yellow. This goes here. This is red. Okay, you start looking. And it was all the, all the nephews and cousins, and we all get together and try. And it would take weeks to, to finish one of those puzzles. But if I were to ask you, what's the most important piece of a puzzle? What do you think it is? The last one? <laughs> The corner, somebody said the corner, the last one. Those are good answers. They're wrong, but they're good answers. <laughs> the most important piece of the puzzle is the box top. Can you imagine trying to put a puzzle together without knowing what you're putting together? Guess what? We have the box top here, don't we? God's Word is the box top. God's Word is a guide for us. So we need to read that. We need to study it. We need to pay attention so that we can find where our piece of the puzzle is. I'm going to 
Go to that next slide there. If you have your Bibles, will you look with me at Mark chapter 3? Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We're just going to focus on a couple verses here. Mark 3, 13 says, And he, and he is Jesus, okay? And he went up on the mountain and called to them those he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. I'm going to read that again. And he went up on the mountain, and he called to him those that he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to speak at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Lord, I pray, I pray that my words would not be heard, but that your words would be heard. I pray that you would put your words in my mouth, and if I mess up, Lord, that you would speak directly to the heart of each person. Father, we desperately need a word from God this morning. There are too many lost people outside these doors. There are too many people in our families. There are too many people in our neighborhoods. There are too many people around this world that do not know you. So, Father, speak to us. Encourage us. Empower us. And help us to know where our piece of the puzzle is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I apologize to somebody. You probably can't tell where you're sitting, but I, I have a little eye infection. It's not contagious, okay? But uh, I apologize for that. But it reminds me of a story I heard about a pastor that apologized for having a Band-Aid on his face. Have you heard that one? You may have because Mark likes to, he, he steals my illustrations. So. Um, but there, there's a, the story about this uh, pastor, he had a Band-Aid on his face. He said, I apologize. He said, I was, I was shaving this morning. I was thinking about my sermon and I cut my face. And he said, after the service, they took up the, uh, the offering and somebody put a little note uh, in, the, in the plate and it said, tell the pastor next time he's shaving to think about his face and cut his sermon. So I'll try to do the best I can this morning to, to cut it down. And, and, and we, also have, we also have time restraints, right, because we've got to go to the other place over there. So that's, that's, we'll try to do that. Um, I hope your Bible's still open because the message comes from God's Word. This is a very simple message. I'm a very simple guy. It's a very simple message. But I, I, I want us to understand that Jesus is always calling and our prayer is that we will listen, that we will hear. What's your role? Where do you fit into that? Where do you fit in? Let's go to that next, that next slide. This is a sad truth. There are more people that have access to Coca-Cola than have access to Jesus Christ. I'll never forget in Bolivia. We served in Bolivia for almost 20 years. I rode on an airplane in Bolivia within the country. It is that big. I rode on an airplane for three hours, got to the northern part, very close to the border with the Amazon of, of Brazil. We get, on a, get in a car, we drive for another three hours to the road ends, we get in a little, a little canoe, we go upstream, we get to this place, and then we have to walk for an hour. I felt like I was at the end of the Great Commission, right? We get to that little village, and we walk in, and I'm so excited, I've got my Bible, I'm ready to tell people about Jesus, and we get to that place, and the first thing I see is a sign that says, drink Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is known in this world. Many of us may be Coca-Cola evangelists. I don't know. Maybe you tell people about Coke. Maybe you drink it and, and it. But are we telling people about Jesus? Are we telling people about him? Let's go to that next one. 
This will help remind me. So I'm going to go through this really quick. So this is just some t statistics from the IMB about, uh, we're, I'm going to click on that. We'll, we'll just go through that because I think it's got several things. Just, you can just click on it several times. Talk about baptisms. Those are great, those are great numbers. Just keep on going there. We're going to keep on going. But it's not enough. The International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, uh, evangelists, pastors, people are, are, are working and, and, we're, and we're doing everything. Well, we're working. I'm sorry to say we're doing everything we can. We're working, but it's not enough. You know why? Because everybody hasn't found their piece of the puzzle, have they? Jesus calls all of us, and he's calling you and I to be a part of what he's doing. So let's click to the next one there. Uh, this is a, I don't know if you can see that or not, 1988. Uh, I, I forgot you just got, I got the big screen back there. You got the little one here. Okay, so 1988, that's my wife and myself and our two kids. We, uh, we left to go to Bolivia. It was a very defining moment in our call. There's the interstate in Bolivia. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was not a question of would you get stuck going places. It was how long, it was how many times you got stuck and how long it took you to get out. So we served in Bolivia for uh, almost 20 years. We'll go to the next one. Um, we served in Mexico for uh, about uh, six years. And uh, the guy on the top right is the, is that right? Anyway, yeah. The guy on the top right is the, uh, the, the pastor who's actually looking at planting 40 churches there. His name is Pastor Augustine. Um, so that is my background, and, and, and really, when God asked us to leave the IMB, that was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, and I have to, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be very transparent. Uh, that was not an easy decision. Uh, I did not want to leave the IMB, and actually, we were appointed very young, and I had, I had dreams in my mind of serving 40 years with the IMB, getting that 40-year pen. I don't know if you know that they do that, but actually, they don't do that anymore. They used to. Uh, now they give you a certificate, right? But uh, I, I dreamed of getting 40 years, 40 years. Well, we made 27. But you know what? I had to realize that my identity was not in the International Mission Board. My identity is in Christ. And I also realized that God had given me a call to do missions. And that call is not just in a specific place. So my calling has never changed. My calling remains the same as your director of missions for Yates Baptist Association. My calling is to be a missionary. My geography has just changed. What's your place? What's your role? Let's go to that next slide there. This is a, a statement that I heard probably about 25 years ago, and it changed my life. If you take notes, this is something you might want to write down. Lostness. Now, every place I go, there's, a, there's an English teacher, and they're going to come up and tell me, that word, that's not really a word. But let's say the condition of being lost, let's say it's a word, okay? Lostness should impact everything we do so that everything we do impacts lostness. Does that make sense? The condition of someone being lost, of someone having no hope, the condition of someone being out there without Christ should impact my life in a way that I should change the way that I'm doing things so that the way that I live the things that I say, my actions, my words, everything I do should impact lostness. I pray that that is, that is true for each one of us. Let's go to that next, next slide. I want to share with you uh, three misconceptions about missions. But first, I want to go back to the, to the passage. If you've got your Bible open there, I want you to look again with me at Mark. So Jesus went up on the mountain and he called to him. 
He called to him or to himself, some, some versions say. But Jesus called to him those that he wanted. It's important for us to see that Jesus called them to him. And it's also important for us to see that he calls us to him each and every day. Be still and know that I am. There's so much throughout the scripture. I could, we could go through and, 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 and be here all morning listing verses that tell us to come to him early in the morning, to come to him in the, in, to, to make time for him. Come to him. He says, he went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Now, that's important. <laughs> so, so it says, he called them to him, and they obeyed, didn't they? Now, that seems like such a very basic point, but that's the, that's the crux of what we're talking about today. Jesus calls, the disciples obeyed. Now, this is one time they obeyed. A lot of times they didn't get it, did they? A lot of times they didn't understand, but he called them to him. That's pretty simple. And they came to him. He appointed 12. But look what he appointed them to, that they might be with him. So the, the whole idea is he called them to him so that they might be with him. Because we got to spend time with him. They spent three years, maybe three and a half years, some debate on exactly how long it was, but it was, it was daily. It was not just Sunday morning. It was not just Sunday and Wednesday. It was 24-7. They were with him. And they still didn't get it sometimes. But he called them to him so that they might be with him. And here's the kicker. Here's, the, here's the, the real purpose. He called them to him. They came to him. And he appointed them so that they could be with him so that he might send them out to, what's it say in your version? Preach. To preach. We don't like that verse, do we? Now, what does the word mean, preach? What it really means is proclaim. What it really means is proclaim. It means to tell somebody. It means to, to be a professional claimer, Okay. I, you know, we, 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 if we talk about politics, if we talk about uh, Duke basketball or Carolina, ba I know this is a Carolina crowd, right? Okay, I know. It's a divided house. See there? See there? You're, you're claiming. You're taking claim right there, aren't you? You're, you're laying claim, right? We probably even got some state fans here, right? There you go. Amen, somebody says. That's the, that's the first amen I got today, right? So you see what I mean? You see what I mean? We, we... We don't have a problem claiming which team we're for, do we? Or you might not even have a problem claiming that you're not for any of them, right? But we don't have a problem claiming that, but we are supposed to be professional claimers in the name of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be telling people about him. We're supposed to be living the gospel and showing people, but also telling them. I want to share with you three misconceptions about missions, okay? These are what I believe are three lies from Satan. Let's go to the first one. It's actually attributed to St. Francis Assisi that he said, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. But do you know there's no documented proof that he actually said that? In fact, in many sermons, he talked about the necessity to proclaim Jesus. In fact, in many occasions, and it is documented, he talked about the necessity for us to verbally tell people about Jesus, but yet the quote that he's remembered for most, in fact, if you just, if you were to look up famous quotes by St. Francis of Assisi, it would say probably, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. Although we don't even know that he really said that, but I want to tell you, words are necessary. So many people, 
And especially, and I don't mean this in a, in a disparaging way, but so many people, especially the age of my children and younger, say, we just have to show people. If we go and we love on people and we just go and we hug those babies and, and we go and we, we, we paint their, their school or we go and do we do a good thing, all those are good. If we do good deeds, they will know, right? In fact, we got a song back we used to sing. They will know we are Christians by our, and that is true. But the, it is also true that words are necessary. Amen? We have to speak. Now, when, when Jesus said he called them to him, he's calling us to himself so that we can be with him, so that we can be filled by the Spirit, so we can be filled by his word, so that we can go out and proclaim. We can preach. It doesn't mean you have to have a seminary degree. It doesn't mean you have to have a Schofield Bible. It doesn't mean you have to have a pulpit. What it means is you have to tell people about what you've experienced in your life. So line number one, use words when necessary. Words are necessary. Number two, let's go to the next one. I could never do that. Over the, the 27 years that we worked with the International Mission Board, I don't know how many people told my wife, Melissa, and myself, they said, oh, I could never do what you guys did. I can never leave my family. I can never leave my friends. I can, I can never leave, uh, you know, your favorite barbecue place, whatever that is. I can never leave. I started to name one, but then I knew I'd, I'd, I'd be in trouble again, right? I can never leave everything I know and go somewhere else. If God calls you, he will equip you. If God calls you to go to China, to Africa, or if he calls you to cross the street, he will give you the words. I am a country boy from Western North Carolina. I don't even speak English well. I, say, I started to say good. I don't even speak English well. Grammar was my worst subject. So can you imagine my grammar teachers in high school realizing that I'd been called to be a missionary and learn another language? He's going to butcher that language. And guess what? I, I have. I have. In fact, someday my wife's going to write a book of all my mistakes that I've made. People say, I could never do that. If I could do it, you could do it. If God calls you to go on a one-week trip to Washington, on a one-week trip to go to India, or on a one-week trip to go to China, or for the rest of your life, He will equip you. Whatever He calls you to do, He will equip you. And then the third lie from Satan. And I've said this one, and I have a feeling it's probably been preached from this pulpit before. How many of you have, have, have heard somebody say, we're all missionaries? Okay, that's a lie from Satan. Whoa, now you're going to, somebody's going to throw something at me, I know. Let me, let, me, let me explain, okay? I believe, what are we talking about? Jesus calls, right? I believe as Christians, we are all called to be missionaries. I could tell you this morning that I'm a farmer. I could have driven up. Uh, this morning on my, in my John Deere or, I don't know, International Harvester. I don't want to get into that. Okay. I could have driven up on a tractor this morning. I could have worn overalls. And I could come in and tell you I'm a farmer. But I'm not a farmer until I do what? You're not a missionary until you mish. <laughs> what does that mean? To be a missionary means to go and tell somebody about Jesus. It's that simple. I was at Camp Caraway with the RAs a, a week ago. And I told them the same thing I'm telling you. To be a missionary is to go to someone and tell them about Jesus. Jesus changed my life 33 years ago. Jesus changed my life last week. 
That same Jesus is with me today. I mess up every day, but he's still with me. Telling somebody your story, telling them how God's word has changed your life, being a missionary is telling people about the gospel. Amen? I'm going to go to the next slide there. We have to finish the task. We have to finish the task. But what's your part? What's your part? You know, God called Adam and Eve to come and walk with him. We just sang that song. God called Abraham to leave his country, to leave his family, and go to a place that he would show him. He didn't even give him the, the name of the place he was going. Didn't even give him GPS coordinates. He said, go to a place that I will show you. Take that first step, and I'll tell you the next direction. And if you make a wrong mistake, like Al said, I'll, I'll back you up and, and send you in the right direction. God called Abraham. He called Moses through a burning bush to come to him. The angels... <laughs> called the shepherds to go and see this baby in swaddling clothes. Jesus called those that he wanted to come and be with him. There is a pattern here. In fact, I could go through and, and actually I have found 96 places in the Bible where Jesus called someone to him. But I think I could also find a hundred or so here this morning that God is calling to him. What is your part? How do we finish the task that's before us? How do we finish this puzzle? <laughs> you know, when, when you get close to the puzzle, it gets, starts getting easier, doesn't it? When, when you get down to those last few pieces. How do we finish? We've got to find where we fit. We've got to find everybody where we fit. I'm going to go to the next slide there. I remember hearing a, a story years ago about a telegraph operator. You guys know what a telegraph In the other service, I'm going to have to explain what a telegraph is, but you guys understand, I hope, okay? If you've seen a Western, you know, you know. And, and, and if you knew Morse code, and, and almost every place I've been, I've actually run into somebody who knew Morse code. Or Anybody here studied Morse code when you're, okay, uh, I know they used to do that, the, the Boy Scouts, Used to, that was a, you know, you could, you could study Morse code. Well, there was a young man, he had studied Morse code, and he, he learned how, how to, how to, to uh, decipher, how to interpret that, the dots and dashes. And he got out of college, and, and just like today, he couldn't find a job. <laughs> Sometimes getting out of college doesn't mean you have a job, right? He got out of college, and, and, and he couldn't find a job, so he heard about there was this, there was this place, and, and uh, they were looking for a telegraph operator. So it said, be there promptly at 8 o'clock. Like a great college student, he got there at 8.20. And he walked in the door, and the room was full of people. He said, I don't have a chance. In fact, there were people standing up against the wall. So he started to leave, and, and just as he started to leave, he, he, he hesitated for a second. He shut the door. He walked over to the manager's office. He didn't even knock. He just opened the door and went in. All the people were sitting there saying, who does this guy think he is? Who's this guy? And the guy said, oh, just wait a minute. Surely the manager is going to come and, and, and toss the guy out. And sure enough, about a minute and a half, the manager came out, but he had his arm around the young man. He said, you guys can go. The job's been filled. They were angry. They were irate. It was like a mob. They were like, what do you mean? I was here. It's, I was here at 8 o'clock. I was standing outside at 745. I was standing outside at 740. He's the last one. He said, wait, wait. You're here for the telegraph operator job, right? Yes, yes. He said, you know Morse code? Yes. He said, at 8 o'clock, since 8 o'clock, I've been on the other side of that wall 
tapping out this message. If you understand the message, don't knock, walk through the door, the job is yours. He was the first one to come in. And Jesus called those that he wanted to himself so that they might be with him. And so that they might be with him, he might send them out to preach. God is calling us. God is calling you. I pray that we will listen. Let's pray.